So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, uh, and this the 21st of November. It's the Feast of Christ the King, or our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present this podcast uh, today, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we doing? We're good. Thanks a lot for joining me, Shane. I know you will join me in welcoming our listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way today. And our listeners who support us each week in prayer, we want you to remember that we, that we do think of you each week. And we are aware that there's some people who just maybe can't get out of the house uh, and need to have access to something. And we're glad that we're able to bring you some hope each week. Uh, our weekly podcast, of course, includes interviews, chats and faith topics, inspirational music and reflecting, of course, on the Sunday Gospel. And all of our podcasts can be heard on Come and See Inspirations at buzzspread.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. Our historical ones, going back a number of years, up to 10, 11, 12 years, can be heard at Sacred Space, 102.blogspot.com and a blog. We can also, our, program, our podcast can be heard on Spotify, iTunes, and also on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. Please contact us if you've got a comment or maybe a suggestion for our podcast. You can text us on 87 6088667 that's 0876088667 or email at gmail.com. Now with this part of the podcast we usually hand over to Shane who will share maybe some notices but specifically Shane's for the week. Saints for the week. Thanks Shane. Thanks John. So as you said just from a notices point of view um, as John said today's the Feast of Christ the King, so it's the last Sunday of the liturgical year. So next Sunday, hard to believe though it is, is the first Sunday of Advent. And just to remind people that as we're entering into the Advent season, there are a lot of resources online, um, particularly in these COVID times, uh, in terms of preparation for Advent. So um, two that we've been mentioning on the program for the last couple of weeks are the Advent Talks. So the first one is Advent at the Abbey, which is talks at Glenstall Abbey, which are on for each of the Sundays of Advent. And you can attend in person, uh, as I, as the moment they haven't changed that plan, um, but obviously subject to whatever COVID restrictions come, may be in place. Uh, and But they'll also be streamed on the Glenstall webcam as well. And it's a talk, small bit of refreshment. There's a reflection on music and art, and then people are invited to attend Vespers with the community. The other ones, of course, were for the three Thursdays of December uh, mm. are the Advent Talks at Knock, and they are being uh, facilitated and given by a friend of the program, Father Eamon Conway, on Synod and Synodality. Now, just in terms of resources for Advent as well, just to flag to people, um, the Word on Fire uh, website, which is the Word on Fire Institute, which was set up by Bishop Robert Barron. Now, we're big fans of Rob Bob Barron on this program and uh, highly recommend the material that the Word on Fire produces. So they, so for example, the last two weeks, they have been doing a free online two-week course on explore, Exploring De Verbum, which is the um, dogmatic constitution on Revelation and the Word of God. And for those that are interested in Lectio Divina and the role of scripture in the Catholic Church, would highly recommend that you take a look at it. It's quite good. But in terms of Advent, um, there are you can sign up if you have email for daily Advent reflections from Bishop Aaron. 
and they have various uh, uh, things lined up. Also to remind people that the Advent Retreat being done online by the Praise You Go uh, website, which is run by the English Jesuits, that's out there as well. You can also go to um, ignition.com, ignition.com, which is the US Jesuit uh, overarching website in terms of resources like books, online courses, online reflections, and daily emails from Dot Makus, um, which are available from the US Jesuits. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of online resources there for Advent for people as well. And of course, on the more, home, on the more uh, physical level as well, obviously, uh, the Magnificat, they have um, their Advent uh, booklet, uh, Prayers and Reflections, which is available to the Irish Catholic. Um, which is also available for those that want it. Now, in terms of the uh, liturgical odds and ends for this week, so as it happens, we're on the last week of this year's Ordo, John. Yeah, yeah. I need to get my new Ordo for next week. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, uh, so as John said, it's today's the Feast of Christ the King, and so we're into the 34th week in ordinary time next week, so that's Psalter week two for those of us praying the Psalter. Monday is a nice feast, actually, and for those in the music sphere, it would be an important one. It's the feast day of St. Cecilia, Virgin and Martyr. She's the patroness of music and musicians, and she's generally, she, she's a second or third century saint, and she was beheaded because she refused to worship the Roman god. Cecilia is important um, for a number of reasons, but one of the key ones is the fact she is one of the few women saints that was included in the Eucharistic prayer. Um, because she was one of the early virgin martyrs. Um, so she's an important female saint in the church, extremely popular down through the centuries. And um, so for her feast day is on the 22nd of November. 23rd of November is the feast day of St. Columban. Now, it is St. Columban or Columbanus um, is, uh, is the saint that's involved. Now, people often mix him up with Colum Kill. Now, Colum Kill is the guy that is the third uh, patron saint of Ireland with St. Patrick and St. Bridget. And we associate Colum Kill with Iona. Columban or Columbanus is the Irish saint who was born around 543 uh, and he became a monk of Bangor and then he moved to the continent. So this is the guy that first of all went to France and set up numerous monasteries there and set him up in Lexieux, Fontaine, according to what is known as the severe Irish rule. He went on to Austria and then finally ended up at famously setting up the monastery at Bobbio near Genoa, where he died in 615. And he is remembered as one of the greatest of the Irish missionary monks in that particular period. So that's St. Columbanus, whose feast day we celebrate on the 23rd of November. On the 24th of November, we celebrate the feast day of Saints Andrew Dunglack, priest and companions who are Vietnamese martyrs. Uh, then on the 25th of November, we celebrate a couple of, there's a, there's a couple of feasts or saints listed on the day. First of all, from the Irish calendar, we celebrate the feast of St. Coleman, who's associated with West Cork and particularly the Diocese of Cloyne. Uh, a bard by profession, and he's reputed to have been influenced by St. Brendan to become a priest, and um, his, his apostolate was in East Cork, so he's seen as the, the patron saint of the Diocese of Cloyne. We also celebrate the feast day of St. Catherine of Alexandria, who died in three, who was martyred in 310 AD, 
And her monastery, or her, sorry, her body is our relics are venerated at the monastery with the same name as St. Catherine at the foot of Mount Sinai in Egypt. It's an interesting one. I hadn't realized St. Catherine of Alexandria was still on the calendar um, because she was one of the saints that was taken off with the reforms of the calendar in 1969 by Pope Paul VI because they weren't 100% sure did she actually exist. Um, it was one of those ones. Um, but she was, she was rehabilitated and put back on. The other saint that we celebrate on the 25th of November is Saint Clement. Now, Clement is, was the third successor to Saint Peter as the Bishop of Rome, so Pope, and he died in 97 AD. Now, the interesting thing about him is he was exiled to the Ukraine and was supposed to be martyred by being thrown into a river or a lake or a sea or something with an anchor around his neck. But these relics were recovered and were brought to the Church of Saint Clemente in Rome. Now, John, we always like to find an Irish angle to these things. So the Church of San Clemente in Rome is in the care of the Irish Dominicans, Irish Dominican province. And we have spoken previously about it before on the podcast because it is the church which if you go to visit it, you see a 12th century church on top of an 8th century church on top of a 4th century church on top of Roman temple ruins. It's an interesting one to go all the way down to see these things. Very interesting. Anyone's in Rome, I would highly recommend a visit to San Clemente. I think the other thing that I'd mentioned there too, I had the opportunity of going there myself and Anne there a few years ago. I think there's a, there's a, there's relics of quite a few popes there. Is that right? Or was there a relic also of John the Baptist? Something to do with John the Baptist there as well? That's not to say there wasn't something there. Like lots of the churches, lots of the basilicas in Rome have lots of relics. The other interesting thing about the San Clemente church is the beautiful mosaic over the altar they have with the tree of life. Uh, it's, it's known for that as well. But anyway, so that's San Clemente. And as we said, it's in the care of the Irish Dominicans. Friday, the 26th of November, is the feast day of Blessed Hugh Taylor, one of the martyrs of England, Wales, Scotland and Wales. Studied at Rheims in France and was ordained in 1584. He ministered to covert and oppressed Catholics in England, uh, starting in March 1585. But he was captured um, and hanged, drawn and quartered in November 1585. Now he is one of the first, he is the first part, he is the first person to be martyred in the persecutions of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we remember Blessed Hugh Taylor on the 26th of November. And finally, Saturday the 27th of November is the feast day of St. Fergal. Uh, French saint, uh, then in Bavaria, where he founded the monastery of Chemissy, I think is how it's pronounced. He was appointed the Bishop of Salzburg and uh, died in 784, leaving a reputation for learning and holiness. So that's St. Virgo, Bishop and Mishmi. And of course, next Saturday, then, uh, Saturday evening is the first evening prayer of Advent. Thanks for that. Just a bit of interest. Do you continue on sharing science for the week during Advent? Um, yes, we can during Advent until, we'll, we'll definitely do it until the 16th. Now, we're not supposed to do it after the 16th of December, but we, we, will, we will mention saints on the programme. But officially, um, yeah, this, the Advent, Advent, Advent takes precedence. Yes, there are saints I'm thinking that. I'm thinking yeah, that. Yeah. Shan, thanks for that. Okay, at this part of the program, we might go, at this part of the podcast, should I say, we might go for our prayer space. This morning I picked a prayer um, 
from Pope Francis and his prayer for protection for coronavirus. Very topical these days. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We're certain that you will provide so that as you did at the Cana in Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring, to bring us through the cross to the joy of resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas. We who are put to the test and deliver us from every angel, O glorious and blessed Virgin Mary. So that's a, a pope, the a, a pope's prayer for um, for the protection for coronavirus. I just picked it up there a few days ago, and I said I might share it for those who desperately maybe need to get as much help as they can these days. Now we go for our first bit of music, and Shane, you decided to pick a piece of music for us today. Yes, so um, given that today is the Feast of Christ the King, um, I said we would do um, some traditional pieces uh, and reflective pieces pieces, um, uh, in terms of it. And the the triathlon is a very famous and um, ancient hymn uh, from the Byzantine tradition. And it, it's holy God, holy immortal one, have uh, 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 have mercy on us. So, and it's it's not used that often in the the Western tradition. We mainly use it on Good Friday, but it's very common in the Eastern tradition. And I just thought it was very appropriate for the day that was in us. Shane, thanks for that. So, okay, let's listen to this and come back again and join us in part two, where we're joined by David O'Hare from Trocra, who's going to share some information in regard to the uh, current appeal. Join us again in part two.
Welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this morning, it's a delight for us to welcome onto our podcast, David O'Hare, who's the communications officer with Trocra. David, how are you? You're welcome to the programme. Thanks, John. I'm good. and uh, hope you guys are good as well. Thank you very much indeed. We're good. Now, the reason why we have invited David back onto our podcast again is because we'd like to stay in touch with Troca, and indeed, we'd like our listeners to stay in touch with Troca and the wonderful work they do. And in more recent times, um, Troca have made an appeal, a very urgent appeal, uh, for an East Africa appeal. David, can you share some of that with us, please, the the reasons why and how that came about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, we were were very grateful to the Bishops of Ireland um, who who organised the special appeal the weekend before last in all parishes across the country. And it was to to, to raise money to support Troker's work to alleviate the humanitarian crisis that, that's currently gripping East Africa. Um, the bishops expressed deep concern. And in East Africa at the moment, John, over 30 million people, now put that in context, that's over around four and a half times the entire population of this island of ours, um, over 30 million people are facing high levels of acute 
acute food insecurity. So, so many are on the brink of, of starvation. Um, and it's a deadly mix of, of climate change, COVID and, and conflict, um, and also desperate locust infestation that's, that's hit a few countries that have pushed these million people to the very edge of, of, of starvation. Um, so it's a critical situation there. Um, the appeal, the trochra was bishops uh, put together for us, is focusing on five countries, and that's Ethiopia, Somalia, South Sudan, um, Sudan, and De the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, so what we're seeing there is the price of staple foods, fuel and water are, are absolutely rising at the moment. There's a third wave of COVID in East Africa that's destroying livelihoods and pushing millions of people into desperation. And then, of course, the effects of climate change have been compounded by these other factors. Um, and, and COVID has, has dealt a real blow to these countries. In the countries that Trocra works, less than 5% of people have been vaccinated. Um, infection rates are up to 50%. And then on top of all of that, it's delayed and significantly below average rainfall due to climate change has, has really, really pushed people to the brink. So the emergency appeal came as, you know, as world leaders uh, met um, for COP26 in Glasgow. Um, and it is the people who have done least to contribute to that climate change who are the ones that are suffering most from it. Um, Troker's been very involved, John, in, in the humanitarian response in East Africa. We've been involved in large-scale assistance, uh, emergency food, nutrition and water that we're delivering to save lives. Uh, we're targeting the most vulnerable, including children, the elderly, people with disabilities, etc. Um, and, and we're on the ground in the worst hit regions, so we're able to respond right away. So, so we're really looking forward to, to the, the returns from that collection coming back just as quickly as we can so that we can put them into action, uh, those donations and, and uh, that support from people here at home. We can put them into action right away. You know, um, it's very hard for us, maybe those of us who would only maybe touch base with Trocra, maybe once a year sometimes, maybe it's during Lent. Um, on our podcast here, we try to touch base a few times a year with Trocra, but sometimes it, we find it hard to, to, to try to picture human people, human families, and, and how how all of our help might help some of those families. But in this particular case, for the appeal, for the East Africa appeal, maybe you might, you might remind us about the experience of Tunisia and the family, please. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tunisia was featured in, in some of the materials we sent out to parishes. And, and you're, you're absolutely right, John. You know, when, when we talk about figures of 30 million, et cetera, et cetera, it's very, very difficult for us to get our heads around that. And people don't want to hear about stats. They want to hear about other people. We, we connect on a human level with other people. And, and Sinisa is a perfect example. She's in South Sudan. Um, she's a widow. She's only 27 years old. She's four children. And she told us that, that the last year has been absolutely dreadful. Um, and she said that her and, and the children went hungry um, many, many times. Um, she was finding things a real challenge looking after the kids single-handedly. She had no supports. She was cooking donuts and samosas and trying to sell those to make some money to keep her children in school. But she said it was a real struggle. And, and sometimes they just didn't have enough money for school fees, for medicine and other things like that. 
the essentials that we we take for granted, you know. And she said that the school term, for example, she wasn't able to send the kids to school at all, any of the four of them. Um, so, you know, that's, she said she was totally stressed out over this. Um, now, we have been able to, to give some emergency support to her, um, which she is extremely grateful for. Um, and has asked us to thank actually people in Ireland if we ever if we ever have the opportunity to thank them for that support. So, so her and the family received um, emergency food. They they received some other items, you know, soaps and water buckets and that kind of thing, just to try to get them through this emergency period. But what it's all about for us as well, John, we do a lot of humanitarian work as as do colleagues in other agencies. We do a lot of humanitarian work, but what we're aiming for is to get people to the stage where they have a safety net, that they don't actually get to this stage of crisis. And that's what long-term development is all about. So so that's what we in Trocra aim for. Um, but I think Tanisa is, is, is the perfect example of, she's just one of millions of families that are facing this, this, this hardship and stress daily um, and trying to cope with, with all of that. Yeah, you know, even when I looked at your website early on, um, it does mention there 2.7 million people were brought relief and hope last year from by yourselves to areas. Um, and I know one particular area maybe our listeners would be interested in back here in Ireland, uh, a particular person was mentioned on the 2019 campaign, but maybe you might include that in just sharing with us how some of the people up to now, those 2.7 million people, a lot of people, how they were helped by you guys? Yeah, well, do you know what, John, I'll pick up on one word you said there in, in, in your intro. Not, um, because sometimes when we, when we share these stories, there, there can seem to be a total lack of hope, you know, because the situations we're dealing with are so difficult um, and people are facing so many challenges. That, that hope seems to be the last thing there. Mm. But I really, really want to stress this. There, there is hope there and we can make a difference. And we, we talk about those large stats, you know, 30 million people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You can feel really hopeless and helpless in that situation, but we can make a difference in those. We absolutely can. And because of the generosity of people and right across the country, we were able to reach 2.7 million people, as you said there last year, with support. And that's in 20 countries, some of the world's poorest countries, right across Africa, Central America, Asia, the Middle East, all, all over the world in four, you know, program areas. You know, we work on human rights. Again, something that people maybe don't think of. It wouldn't be first thing to spring to mind. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of human rights work. We do work on resource rights, and that covers things like you know access to land, access to water, um, better nutrition, um, enabling people to, to grow enough crops to feed their families. Uh, because it's only by women and men having equal rights that we're going to, to tackle some of these root causes of poverty. And then, as I mentioned, we do a lot of humanitarian work. Um, but I'll give you one example, and, and, and you, you've mentioned her there. And that was, um, some of your listeners remember, in 2019 on our Troker Box. You know, the Troker Box is a bit yeah, of an yeah. institution mm-hmm. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we featured Patricia, um, a little girl uh, in Uganda. 
um, her and her mom, Evelyn. And, and the issues they were facing were very real. Um, there's a massive problem in Uganda. It's difficult to continue to own their own land, uh, have ownership of their own land, following, for example, the death of their husband. And that's what happened to Evelyn. She tragically lost her husband. After his death, a violent land dispute happened between her and her husband's her late husband's family. Her husband's relative seized control of her land and she was left with a tiny, tiny portion of land and it wasn't enough to grow enough food to feed her children, okay? So a massive issue for the family. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to report uh, that because of, of the support we get here at home and the work of our partners over in Uganda, we supported Evelyn to fight her case for the right to her land. And our local partner worked with local leaders it wasn't easy, John, in a country where very traditional attitudes and traditions around women owning land yeah, say that. Um, are, are deeply ingrained, but ultimately it was a success. And as a result of that work, six acres of land were returned to Evelyn in the last year. Um, and she said to us, you know, I'm absolutely delighted because the land's returned to me. I know now that I'll be able to grow enough food to feed my children. Um, before that happened, she didn't know what she was going to do. Um, and we're also supporting Evelyn to develop a small business, help her to provide an income for her family. And, and those things are very important in the countries where we work. You know, it's, it's about giving people agency um, and giving them the opportunity to be able to, to, to earn an income, which means, again, they've got a safety net if something awful happens, but it means they can both enrich their own lives from the point of view of diets, etc. So in Evelyn's case, um, we've had a small shelter for two cows. The cows produce milk, um, helps her family's diet. They also have an excess they can sell at market. That earns money for them to be able to spend on other essentials, like, very importantly, sending the kids to school. So, you know, it's a very small example of, of the difference it can make, but to that family... That was everything. And now their future is looking a lot bright, a lot brighter. You know, I, I was just thinking there, as you mentioned uh, that example and the example early on, how do you guys choose as to who to help and who not? Because the amount of people coming to you guys for help must be phenomenal. Yeah, and I, you know what? That, that That is a really, really good question. And... And what Troker tries to do is, is make the deepest impact possible. Obviously, Trokra can't tackle all of the issues in all of the countries. So what we try to do is make the deepest impact in the countries where we work and in the programs that we're involved. And from the, the perspective of, of how we choose families. So I've worked for Troker for 16 years now. Um, and in that time, I've been really privileged to have been able to travel overseas and, and speak to the communities that, that we support, um, speak to the partners that we work with. And the, the partners are the are absolutely crucial element in this. Um, so the partners are all based in the communities that we work. So they know the people. They will speak to the communities. They will speak to community leaders. Um, they will come up with a plan of who are the most vulnerable people in that community, who needs to help the most, and that is how the how the, the supports are targeted. So it's all very transparent, um, and it's all very um, it, it it's targeting those help 
that's what we do through the partner organisations, John. Well done, well done, well done. Fantastic work, David. Well done. Now, just before I just pass over to Shane, just in case Shane wants to come in there for a second, can I just ask you to share uh, something about these Christmas gifts of love, this range that was just recently uh, launched by Troca for this year? Can you share a few of those thoughts, a few of the gifts there with us? Yeah, Please. look, that, this comes back to what, to what we've been saying. It's worked. The conversation has gone perfectly because the, these gifts of love are, are a real example about how people here at home can make that long-term difference to people overseas. Okay, so so we call them Troker's gifts of love, and and we've we've been we were we were one of the first agencies I believe in Europe to come up with the gifts. Um, and the first thing I'll say is they're real gifts for real people. Okay, so what people here at home can do. They can go on, they can choose a gift and buy it on someone's behalf here at home. Um, and then that gift is given to a family in one of the countries where we work. Um, so it's, it's you know, if you buy chicks for a family in Kenya, a family in Kenya get those chicks. So it's very, very, very tangible. Um, and you know what? Look, we're all in the same position where we're thinking of what to buy Uncle John or, or what to buy Granny, you know, this is something different. It's something really ethical, and it's something. So we've got a really great range of these gifts, uh, and you can buy one job from as little as five. So they range from five euros right up to a thousand euros. There are twenty-one gifts in total, so there's something in there for everyone. And you know the difference these gifts make um, cannot be overestimated. I mentioned to you there that I, that I have been lucky enough and privileged enough to have travelled with Trokra. So on many occasions, I've actually seen these gifts in action. Once they've been given to a family um, in Kenya, for example, and we find the gifts, you know, for example, chicks and goats. People really love the gifts of animals. Yeah. Um, so, so we buy those, those animals in country. So we don't transport animals, um, which as an aside, obviously helps stimulate that local market, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen the chicks and goats in Africa. So chicks, very, very simple gift. They're only eight euros. Um, what happens is the family gets the chicks. They grow into chickens. They provide eggs. They provide meat. Um, they breed. So there's an excess that can be sold at market, which again makes money for the family to spend on other things like school fees, like like medicine, like soap, like salt. Um, and, you know, it, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Um, goats, similarly, I mean, Kenya can be a really, really hospitable country from an environmental perspective. I've been up in northern Kenya on many occasions in Turkana, and, and I would describe it as desert. Um, you know, really, really harsh environment, very difficult for people to, to make a living there. Um, goats, really hardy little creatures. Uh, a great, I, I've been in days where the first the first new goat or kid that is bred given by the family to another family. So it's a multiplier. Um, so the goats, again, give milk, they give food, they're able to be bred and sold on, and they actually provide, um, you know, the, the goat's droppings, and the same with the chicks. Chicks' droppings can be used for fertilizer for the land. So it's it's a really well-rounded um, and well-thought-out way of, of supporting people. So, look, the gifts are, are there. 
Um, and at the end of our conversation, I'll, I'll remind people about how to buy those and how to make a, a donation, for example, to East Africa. But the, the gifts are amazing. Um, and actually, since 2000, when we launched this, John, the gifts campaigns raised over 39 million euros for wow. our work overseas. Wow, that's yeah, a- unbelievable. Um, I mean, Limerick last, last year, for example, um, just one county, over 32,500 euros people spent on, on, on Trophers gifts. Wow. So again, it's a really really tangible way for people to support well I know from my own experience um, I gave them to our grandchildren last year and they were delighted they were delighted with the chicks absolutely yeah. delighted with the chicks um, I mean those gifts range in, in price from about 8 euros up to or you can spend a, a grand a thousand euros but it's it's yeah, the chicks are 8 euros like you can get soap for example for 5 euros That's right. which is so important at the moment you know in these COVID times but you've touched on something I, I love about the gifts as well. They're a great educational tool. Fantastic. You know? Yes. You, you, mm. bought, you bought the grandkids their chicks. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you told them what it was all about. That's right. What, yeah. What yeah. the story behind it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a great way of, of educating, particularly children, uh, around those, those issues which are really, really big sometimes um, but it's a really tangible way of, of just showing them the difference that these little things can do here at all just one question just before we leave it uh, just before we leave it here uh, David um, has COVID-19 affected your work over there it must have really affected um, the people you're trying to take care of but you, you guys have to protect yourselves as well as the, those you're trying to help yeah COVID, COVID has been yeah a, a huge challenge John as you would imagine um not not only for the people we're we're working with, you know, the communities we're working with, but also for partners and, and our staff. Um, you know, many many of our staff would have would have very first hand experience either them or their families of of people becoming ill from COVID and actually people people passing away because of COVID. Um, and you know, it it is it is that's on the very personal level. You've then got all of those things like, you know, how, how do we access? Um, how do we speak? How do we go and speak to our partners? How mm. do we see the issues on the ground? Um, but we have, we, we've been doing a lot of work on, on COVID. Um, in fact, Tanisa, that, that lady from South Sudan that we talked about, mm. one, of the, one of the support she also got um, and her community got from Chokra was COVID education. Um, you know, how, hand hygiene all of that kind of thing trying to bring those messages to stop the spread that's that's something we've been doing throughout our programming um we have for example in like somalia is the only country that that we do direct um uh, direct medical programming so in a place called ghetto in somalia we're the only provider of healthcare um for about three hundred thousand people i think it is so you, as you would imagine, our clinics there, there's been massive challenges for our frontline healthcare workers. Um, and then access to vaccines, which I mentioned earlier in our conversation, is, is really difficult in some of the countries where we work. Um, and then on the macro level, John, you know, it, it, it has an effect on people being able to, to move around to, you know, to earn an income. Um, or if they're sick, they can't till or work the fields. Yeah. Um, yeah. Markets closed down. You know, it, COVID, like COVID has been a, a, a world changer, as we know, um, on so many different levels. Um, 
So that that's something we've taken into account in all of our programming over the last 18 months, and it will be part of I've no forward. And, you know, it's something that we tend to forget. We always complain about our own little problems over here. Uh, but those people are not alone trying to struggle with all the problems they got, uh, but but then they got COVID on top of it. Oh, yeah, 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 they've COVID on top of, of climate change yeah. and on top of conflict, and, and I've described it as it's the perfect storm. Um, you know, the challenges are just multi-level. Um, and and let, let's not, you know, let, let's not be wrong about it. Uh, we have faced huge challenges here at home. I know, I yeah, know yeah. people have faced, faced mm-hmm. huge challenges here at home, been separated from family, was a massive thing for people. Um, if people maybe lost lost loved ones, they weren't able to grieve pop- properly because of restrictions. Like, it, 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 people have lost jobs. It has been hugely, hugely impactful here at home. But one thing I'll say, the the capacity of people, despite that here at home, to stand in solidarity and to be generous and to give has not slackened one iota. And that's that's really humbling, John. Well, do you know, as one of those people who try to help, and there's a number of people around Ireland, a lot of people around Ireland who want to help uh, Trokra, if it wasn't for people like you and Trokra, uh, coming on and speaking about the work you do, we would never, but we would never know about it. So, thanks to all those volunteer, well, volunteers, those people who are working out there, uh, trying to help the poorest of the poor. Before we go, David, let us know how we can access maybe, um, uh, maybe a website or maybe how we can get some of the gifts and how, in in fact, we can donate to that East Africa appeal that you've just launched. So those Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the two easiest ways, um, John, number one, people can go on to tropra.org um, and, and you can make a donation online or you can buy the gifts or, or if people just want to find out a little bit more about our work, there's some really, really great information there and some, some really great positive um, personal stories. You know, I've shared a few of them today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them on, on our website um, in, in the form of blogs, etc. Fantastic. So, you know, I, I would encourage people to go on and have a look there. We also have a, a telephone number you can phone at one 408 408 So that's one 408 And people can ring there and make a donation. But, but absolutely, p- please go online and find out a bit more. One thing I would say to you, John, is you know you've, you've been very gracious there, and 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 and, and talking about us working for Trocra and 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 what we do. Just to remind us that we work on your behalf, okay? So 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 we're the conduit between the people here at home and the people that that we support overseas. So so that's what we do. So we work on behalf of the people of Ireland. It's teamwork. Dave, Absolutely. David, thanks a lot for, for joining us today and, and sharing that information with us. Um, the piece of music, have you got a piece of music you want to share with us, please? And, 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 and why did you pick this piece of music, by the way? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick, uh, it, it's a song called Michael, uh, and then a bracket switch, will maybe make it more familiar to people, Road to the Boat Shore. So it's Michael, Road to the Boat Shore. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what version you will have, but my my favourite is the Highwayman from the right. 1960s. That's the one we're going to play. Oh, brilliant! Um, number play. one, it's just a beautiful song, beautiful melody. But number two, it's uh, it's an African American spiritual, um, and it was first noted, as far as I'm aware, during the American Civil War. It was sung by by uh, slaves um, as they went from the the islands of South Carolina. Um, and what I like about it is it's 
it's it's really a a life affirming song. It's a celebration of faith under oppression, um, and that that's what I love about it. David, thanks a lot for coming on, uh, and uh, please give every regards to to all of those people who are working with Trogra, and I love as well and best wishes made to pass on to people like Tunisia and also Patricia. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful Christmas yourself. Thank you so much, and the same to you and your listeners, John. Bye-bye now. Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shannon Rose. Now we come to the part of, the, of our podcast where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, Shane will share this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. 
Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open. Let our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father, and you with Mary, you used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So, our Gospel for today, a feast of Christ the King, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 33 to 37. Are you the King of the Jews? Pilate asked. Jesus replied, Do you ask this of your own accord, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? It is to your own people and the chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, Mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my men would have fought to prevent me from being surrendered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this kind. So you're a king then, said Pilate. If you, it is you who say it answered Jesus. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And all who are on the side of truth listen to my voice. So that's the gospel for today, a feast of Christ the King, uh, taken from the Gospel of John. Shane, have you got a thought you'd like to share with us? I suppose it's, it's, it's one of those ones, John. I, I struggled with the gospel this week, trying to dredge something out of it and that can happen um i suppose that's that's the one thing we should say to people is that you know you can't necessarily be inspired every week with with thoughts and reflections that come out of us um this sunday's gospel of course taken from the gospel of john and it is the johannine passion so this is what this is the gospel that we hear on good friday and it's the, the discourse encounter, the discussion between Jesus and Pilate. And it's one of the, the more detailed accounts that's given in the four Gospels of this encounter. Um, now, they all mean it's Pilate's encounter with Jesus mentioned in all four Gospels. But this John's one goes into quite detail about the conversation. And what we have put forward before us, I suppose, this Sunday is examples of leadership and contrasting examples of leadership with Pilate, authoritarian, backed up by force, versus the, the gentle uh, servant leadership, I suppose, that's given, uh, the example that's given by, by Jesus. And I suppose that's one of the things that's put there before us when we celebrate this solemnity today of Christ the King or Christ the King of the universe. And the concept that, you know, Jesus is... I suppose the the leader, the, well, the king. I don't like using the term king, but the leader that we should look to, and the example of leadership that's given, I suppose, is very challenging um, in terms of, well, it's, you know, it's that gentle, truthful but forceful encounter, speaking truth to power, um, which isn't an easy thing to do, which challenges us all. Um, versus the more authoritarian leadership, you know, presented by Pilate. And I suppose if we look around the world today, it's difficult sometimes, I suppose, to see how the example of Jesus can be applied in the world. Um, you know, it goes back to that Archbishop 
that used to run the Vatican Bank in the 1980s. He was an American guy. He, you know, people were saying to him, well, you know, you know about the corruption and, and all the rest of it. And his response was, well, you know, you can't, be, you can't pay the bills with Hail Marys. And some people would say, well, you know, sometimes you need people to take the tough decisions to lead and, you know, and be tough men and women to a certain extent. If you look around the world today, we have to ask ourselves, I suppose, the question, is that what we really need? When you look at the issues of Belarus and Poland, if you look at what's happening in Ethiopia, if you look at what's happening in Ukraine with Russia, if you look at what's happening to the Far East and China, uh, what's happening in, in uh, North Korea, if you look at what's happening in the Middle East, in particular in, in Saudi Arabia, what's happening in the, in the Republic of Sudan, what's now known as North Sudan, Qatar, Central African Republic. If you look at the challenges that are facing the Sub-Saharan region, so Mali, Chad, Niger, Nigeria. And it's, it's a time, I suppose, very much where we can feel that the Prince of Peace very much a model which is ignored and sidelined for us. So as we reflect and we pray and we listen to this Sunday's gospel, I suppose we need to put ourselves into it and ask, where are we in terms of the questions and the dialogue that have been asked between Pilate and Jesus? And then I suppose the important thing on this Feast of Christ the King is to turn to Jesus, the servant leader, and to lift up our voices in prayer and supplication, but also thanksgiving. We're coming to the end of the liturgical year for church, one year more over, and lots of ups and downs. And as we face into the new year, the new liturgical year, at the beginning of Advent, I suppose it also gives us an opportunity to pause and reflect and think on two things. The liturgical year that's past, liturgical year that's to come, but also for us individually, where have we been and how have we got on in terms of our time out of time with God and with Christ and asking ourselves, you know, in this Kairos moment when we pass from one liturgical year to the next, are we called to somehow engage with that servant leader on a more intimate and personal basis. Shane, thank you so much for, for sharing that reflection with us this morning. For my own thoughts, I was drawn really to the last uh, part of the gospel, today's gospel, where Jesus tells us that he was born He was born to bear witness to the truth and came into our world to bear witness to the truth. And all, all who were on the side of truth listened to his voice and said, so as best I can, I need to try to listen to the voice of Jesus as he speaks to my heart when I'm confronted with confusion. I've often heard it uh, of people who, uh, I've often heard it said that if you feel peace with something that I read or I hear, uh, then that's a good start. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So maybe this week, 
It might be able to listen to the voice of Jesus a bit more attentively. It's, no, I'm sorry, Shane, I've picked this up. Sorry, I'll come back again. So my reflection on the gospel today took me again to the last part of the of the gospel today, where Jesus says, "I came into the world uh, to bear witness to the truth, and all who are on the side of truth listen to my voice." And in our modern day, it can be hard to know what is true and not too true, what is hype and what is opinion. There have been occasions when someone has related to me what they read or heard and believed to be authentic. When I asked about the source, I found it was an opinion, an opinion article, rather than the fact or the news. So yes, I believe we can become confused, and we can believe everything we we read or hear. Uh, and yeah, excuse me. So yes, I believe we can become confused, and if we believe everything we read and reflect on the on the radio, we certainly be in a little bit of trouble. So as best I can. I, I, I need to listen to the voice of Jesus as he speaks into my heart when I'm confronted with confusion. And I, I've often heard it say that if I feel peace within my heart, then I'm on the right road. So maybe this week it's one of the, one of the ways that I can help me to deal with this confusion is to listen to Jesus as he speaks. And he spoke particularly in today's gospel when he said, I come to bear witness to the truth, and whoever's on the side of truth, listen to my voice. So hopefully I can listen to his voice a bit more than I maybe have up to now and alleviate some of that confusion. So now that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thanks a lot, Shane, for, for joining me. And thanks again to David O'Hare from Troker for joining us also. Now for the last piece of music, Shane, you picked a beautiful piece of music. I like it. It's Christ Be Our Light, and it's sung by the Notre Dame Folk Choir. So to next week, where, as Shane said, we'll start off a new year. We'll be wishing each other a new year, a liturgical year, the first Sunday in Advent. But until then... Enjoy the week and take care. And we'll talk to you again. Bye-bye now.